We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey Chargers fans, this is the Guilty as Charged podcast where we discuss all things related to the Los Angeles Chargers. We are available on all podcast platforms including Apple, Spotify, and Google. If you like the show, please leave us a rating or review. We do really appreciate the positive feedback. Make sure and follow us on social media including our Patreon account where as little as $1 gains you access to cool things like jersey giveaways and film breakdowns. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the show. Hey Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, I'm the host, and with me as always is Alex Insdorf. Alex, how are you doing today, man? Um, doing pretty good, and uh, go Flyers. This episode is coming out on like Tuesday, so I don't know. They'll either be up 2-1 or down 2-1, and <laughs> the Sixers are going to lose to the Celtics. It's not even close. But anyway, uh, so yeah, but uh, that's the state of Philly sports, and uh, now we presume with the podcast. <laughs> yeah philly sports i mean they're doing pretty well the the, uh, the phillies have bryce harper at least so that's always good we were doing okay and then sports got decided to take ben simmons knee so oh man those phillies <laughs> those philly stars man just just cannot stay healthy yeah. <laughs> it's supposed to be a city of brotherly love come on man um city of brotherly knees <laughs> <laughs> there we go so uh, we have a good episode for you guys today. We're going to do our 2020 Raiders preview. Um, joining us uh, later on was uh, Khalid Abdullah, who is a writer for Just Blog Baby, and that's a really good interview. Had a good conversation with him. Uh, and we are going to start, however, with kind of the training camp news, quote unquote, that has come out. Um, the biggest one 
really you know anthony lynn just likes to to drop bombs on us sometimes and uh <laughs> apparently sam tebby is not only viewed as the starter he's also uh in the driver's seat for the left tackle position um I did a breakdown on Patreon, uh, a short breakdown of his game last year against Detroit, uh, which was his best game according to Pro Football Focus, and I would agree with that as well. Um, that being said, this whole thing about being in the driver's seat at left tackle was a little confusing to me. Uh, Alex, what did you make of the news? Yeah, so I kind of predicted it last month. I think we were talking about it on the podcast, and I kind of pegged Tevi as the left tackle starter. Just because he had that experience, this is now his fourth year he's going into, and this is Pipkin's second year in a year that we've talked about with COVID is not normal. Um, And that also hurts someone like Tillery on the defensive side of the ball, right? So if you aren't getting those reps, it's a bit difficult to really put yourself, you know, as Lynn said, in the driver's seat um, to be the starter. So that was kind of my thought on that. And then they also talked about uh, Pipkins is dealing with some kind of knee ailment that was in uh, yeah. Popper's article. He was wearing a knee brace of, uh, for some reason. So uh, I guess he suffered a little bit of a setback there. Nothing major uh, reportedly, but so that might also be contributing to it. I just think at the end of the day, Lynn, we, we've talked about Lynn kind of having his guys and I think Tevi because he has the experience and because Pipkins isn't developed yet um, and because they, they really spent their resources on the right side of the line, Tevi's just kind of the guy that's um, left there to be uh, the left tackle starter. And uh, yeah, so yeah, you can go with your, your thoughts and then we'll kind of dive into a little bit of Tyrod later, but yeah. Yeah. To me right now, Pipkins and Tevi are kind of on the same level in terms of like what they would be, you know, they'll have a few games that they'll be pretty good. And then they'll have a few games that they'll be really bad. And then they'll just kind of have serviceable rest of the eight games. So I think they'll be, I think it'll be fine. You know, I'm not over, I'm not overreacting to this news because like you mentioned, you know, the right side is so good. And, you know, having Mike Pouncey is going to be huge for this team and just kind of that continuity over there. And, and again, you can do a lot of creative things with Tyrod to make things easy on the left tackle spot, which I think was kind of the game plan. And um, I went over this in my breakdown, but a lot of the things that Sam Tevy excels at are things that Brian Campen has uh, – or not Brian Campen, James Campen, excuse me, uh, has a strong reputation of coaching up. So um, – Maybe Campen has seen some good things on film and is, you know, kind of waiting to see what he can do with both of these guys when they get in pads before they make a decision, which is, you know, totally realistic and reasonable. I'm just like, we know who Sam Tevy is. <laughs> we already, we have two years, really two and a half of film. We know who he is. We don't know really who Pipkins is and we don't know the ceiling that he can reach. Um, really that's my biggest thing. And that's really what I've been talking about is that I think Trey Pipkins has a higher ceiling than Sam Tevy. And right now they're on a level enough playing field where I think that potential should give Pipkins the edge. And they, I mean, they spent a third round pick on him. If he's never going to play, then, you know, what was the point in in drafting him really, if you're just going to play a, a six round pick from four years ago. So I don't know. I, I think Pipkins should play 
to me, it makes more sense team building wise, because if you play Pipkins, he's not very good. Then, you know, 100% the next year, you have to grab a tackle early. If you place Tevi and he's stinks it up and you don't play Pipkins, then there's still going to be, well, we have the third round pick from a couple of years ago. Maybe we can go another year without drafting an offensive tackle early. So I think for me, it's just kind of looking at it long-term, which is why I, it doesn't make sense to me. Right. I will say that I think having Tyrod back there uh, or having Herbert back there, either one, um, because of their mobility and their, yeah, their ability mostly to elude pressure. I do think that having Tevi isn't as much of a big deal as if Rivers was the starter. Right. right? right. Um, I, I think Von Miller, <laughs> you know, feasting on Tevi uh, would be, you know, kind of much more of a concern uh, or some of the other top defensive ends if Tyrod uh, or Herbert were kind of statues in the pocket who couldn't get away. So I think that would be more concerning. Uh, and then the other thing that I thought was interesting about the left tackle spot that was also in Daniel Popper's uh, article is that they put uh, Forrest Lamb in there uh, for a couple of reps. So that just might be some experimenting, tinkering around. I don't think it's anything serious to make of that yet. Um, but I, I do think that's interesting since, you know, we're kind of wondering, is Forrest Lamb going to start at left guard? Is he back up? Will he play left tackle? Right. So there's a lot of ways that Forrest Lamb uh, kind of experience can go still at this point. Uh, it's a big year for him, obviously, because it's a contract year. Yeah, the Forest Lamb thing, I, I don't – it just seems like the team wants him to be able to stay healthy more than anything else. And, right. you know, I it sucks for the guy just because, you know, he looked really good in, you know, the game or two that he played last year at left guard. Um, I thought against the Steelers he was really the only offensive lineman that played well. Uh, unfortunately, you know, he just, it's just the injury thing. So – you know, worst case scenario with him is you you know you let him be a backup, and then if you want, you can bring him back next year, and and maybe it works out into something bigger than that. But you know, it's just unfortunate with the injuries for him. The Melvin Ingram thing is interesting because it's like it was company business. Like, okay, well, does that mean he's hurt? Does that mean he's holding out? Does that mean you know he was doing something else? Like, it was so vague. I, I, I don't really know what to make of it. Yeah, I don't know what to make of it either. I mean, I doubt it's a holdout just because of how the holdout went with Melvin Gordon, uh, right. you know, two year, uh, a year ago. So I, I think that – and also we talked about the new penalties for holding out and the new fines. So I don't think that that's something Ingram really wants to play with. And – yeah, I, I just don't really believe it's a holdout in this current environment, although it could be. Um, is it, you know, possible, it could it possibly be an injury, maybe? Um, you know, and in this new environment, right, um, could it also be a case of coronavirus? I don't know. That's speculation. But we don't really know at this point what it is. Uh, it could also be like a personal kind of maybe family issue. So. Right. I, I wouldn't read too much into it till we get more reporting, uh, but it is definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah. Well, I mean, we'll see. I guess it'll ultimately come out eventually what happens. Um, so the other thing, it, it's not really news. This didn't come out of training camp. This is more uh, writer speculation, very similarly to what happened with Desmond King and, um, 
you know, it was speculated that Denzel Perryman is the most likely Chargers player to be traded. Um, you wrote an article about this and how it doesn't really make sense. Um, yeah, I, I, I don't think a trade for Denzel Perryman makes any sense for anyone. I don't yeah. see a team out there going, you know what? We need a thumper backup linebacker. Let's trade a fifth-round pick to the Chargers. Like, it just doesn't <laughs> make any sense to me on any side. Right. Um, I think it just makes more sense to keep him from the standpoint of, sure, I mean, could you get a sixth or seventh for him? I mean, maybe, but I think he still has a role to play on this team because I don't, you know, I think this team has good starting linebackers, right? We talk about um, Drew Tranquil. We talk about uh, Kenneth Murray, obviously, and Kaiser White. So those are kind of your your big three of kind of that young linebacker core. And then behind them, you have uh, Vigil, maybe Malik Jefferson. But after that, I mean, you know, am I going to put, you know, Emeka Boule or Cole Christensen over Perriman? Not really. And I still think Perriman is good on early downs. I mean, you know, he can still play the run pretty well. Um, as you said, decent thumper. Even if we kind of, you know, he had 359 snaps last year. So even if that goes into a range of like, say, 150 to 250, I still think that's more valuable than trading him for a conditional seventh round pick or something. Right. Um, just because, right, I think they want someone also to mentor these uh, kind of young guys. And Perriman, you know, he has, he's, he's the most experienced linebacker on the team um, with Thomas Davis gone now. So I think it would be kind of maybe a bit cocky also with injuries just because, you know, if, you know, Kenneth Murray gets hurt, uh, if Drew Tranquil gets hurt, I'd rather have Tenzel Perriman than get a seventh round pick for him. Right. So from depth, from leadership and, you know, still being an efficient linebacker on early downs, uh, I, you know, I just don't see much of a reason to trade Perriman. So, yeah, that's kind of why I kind of disagreed with Knox's assessment. Um, I would actually say, you know, people speculated Desmond King, and I don't think either is really getting traded, but I would say Desmond King is probably um, the sexier piece you could uh, float out there that would get some attention. Yeah, I would agree with that because, I mean, having depth there would be nice, but, you know, the Chargers, they – they cannot afford to trade linebackers. We've seen what, can, what happens with this team if a linebacker goes down because the linebacker is not the most important position in that scheme. But if you have a bad linebacker in the cover three scheme, it's not going to be pretty. And um, you know, I think the issue with Denzel Perryman has never been effectiveness. It's always been health. And so I'm kind of thinking in limited snaps, maybe he'd be able to stay healthier for longer. And, you know, you get – you know, you, like you mentioned, you get him for short amounts of, of time. And in those short amounts of time, he can be very effective and make a big time difference. And, um, you know, rookie linebackers, you never really know. I'm, I'm really excited for Kenneth Murray. But if he struggles to kind of grasp the defense and, you know, he needs someone to, to be there to coach him up, you know, I'd like that to be someone that's been in the system that has been in the locker room, that's been around the league. And, and I think Denzel Perriman is capable of doing that. And like you mentioned, in case of injury, you know, they have Denzel Perryman, who's been a great starter for them for the last four years. Right. Yeah, I think it's just about keeping him around. Um, and even if this is his last year, 
he did agree to restructure his contract um, on, right. in the off season. He did kind of take that hit. And, you know, even if you transition him out, uh, I, yeah, as you said, um, still a good mentor and still can be efficient in some spots. So I think that's better than getting a conditional eighth round pick for him. <laughs> right. So that's mostly been the news out of training camp. We're going now to transition into our interview with Khalid Abdullah. So enjoy that and take a listen. Hey guys, so happy to be joined now by Khaled Abdullah, who is a writer and contributor for the Raiders blog, Just Blog Baby on Fansided. Khaled, so happy to have you. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Awesome. We're so excited to talk some Raider football today. Alex is here as well, uh, so we'll get it right into it. I think the Raiders are a really intriguing team, you know, but let's get started with this. John Gruden heading into year four, the move to Las Vegas. What is the general state of, of Raider Nation right now with all these moving parts and, and you know, some, some really exciting draft picks along the way too? Yeah, I think the, the mood is, is pretty optimistic, probably the most optimistic it's been in a while. Um, you know, maybe last summer before Antonio Brown went crazy, we were thinking playoffs. Um, but I think, you know, coming into this year, like you said, I think this is, you know, year three of the Gruden experiment, uh, you know, Carr and uh, all these other folks have plenty of, uh, you know, continuity and experience with this offense. So, uh, yeah, the, the mood is good. It's all positive. You know, people are excited about the new stadium that, that we won't be able to go to uh, this year, but it, it looks great <laughs> yeah. in photos. The, the headquarters, all the facilities look great. Um, it, it's a nice change from, uh, you know, the Coliseum and some of the, the beat up facilities they, they used to be in. So. Oh yeah. Uh, so you mentioned Gruden and uh, I kind of want to get into that more specifically. So this is kind of year three of Gruden. He's on this 10 year um, mega deal. And I guess I just want to know uh, what the expectations are for, for him in the next couple of years uh, and kind of building um, disfranchise back up because going back to when Gruden was initially hired, I mm-hmm. honestly liked what Jack Del Rio was doing, and then they just kind of pulled the plug on him. It seemed like because Mark Davis liked John Gruden a lot, and you know had this plan yeah. to offer him this monster contract, and I just think the franchise structure is a little bit weird now because you know uh, you know a lot of NFL teams have like a GM and a coach. You know if it's something like the Patriots or uh, yeah. maybe the Cowboys, it's a little bit different because, you know, Bill Belichick is effectively GM coach. And uh, in Dallas, you have Jerry Jones pretty much overseeing everything. So when it comes to, I guess, the Raiders, my question is they kind of have Gruden, you know, they're paying him 10 years, hundred million. So he's basically the GM coach, but they also have Mike Mayock who, I don't know, shows him scouting tape occasionally uh, <laughs> of some players. But so, yeah, I just wanted to get your thoughts on, I guess, A, uh, where you see kind of the expectations for Gruden being and uh, B, uh, what you think of Gruden so far. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the expectation when you give a guy a 10-year, $100 million contract is that at, at some point during that tenure, you know, you're expecting a Super Bowl uh, or at the very least, you know, competing for a Super Bowl and, you know, being a, a, a regular contender. Um, so, you know, things got off to the rocky start with the Khalil Mack trade. Um, and, you know, you could tell from the beginning that the, the Reggie McKenzie, Gruden partnership, marriage, whatever you want to call it, uh, was just not, not going to work. Uh, you know, McKenzie was part of the, 
the Jack Del Rio era. And, uh, you know, he made some, some, you know, interesting draft draft moves early on, but, uh, you know, the cupboard was pretty bare when, when Gruden took over and he just did the rest of it out by getting rid of uh, Quill Mack and Amari Cooper. So uh, he really tore down the, the structure of the team to build it back up in his image, you know? Um, and I think, I, I think you don't give, you know, Mayock enough credit here. I know that, uh, like you said, they're giving Gruden all that money to, to coach the team and, and make some personnel decisions. But, um, you know, this is year two of, of the Mayock-Gruden partnership. Year one was a, a great success with all these, these draft picks, especially the late draft picks who, who you know, really panned out, like Max Crosby and Hunter Renfro. So, uh, you know, the, the jury's still out, obviously, on, on his second draft. But uh, judging from, from how things are going in camp and just the initial reaction, uh, I think, you know, the, the things should be, you know, should, should be pretty good this year, too. Um, so yeah, it's really Super Bowl or bust, but uh, at least you know he has a ten-year contract to try to make that happen. Yeah, that obviously gives him great longevity there, and he was really busy. I mean, obviously they had a lot of picks, but the free agency period for the Raiders was you know it was just crazy, and you know they got Corey Littleton, they got Demarius Randall, they got some really other impact guys. Um, what did you make of the free agency period for the Raiders and how? they address their needs of, of mostly the defense. And then I did some, some veteran offensive players as well. Yeah. So it, it started off a little shaky when they, they went out to try to get uh, Byron Jones from the Cowboys. They were going to give him, you know, mega money, which uh, probably, you know, sounded good on paper, but it may have been a blessing in disguise that, that he went to Miami. So they were able to take, you know, that huge contract there and give them and then spread it out to, yeah. you know, uh, the different defensive players that you mentioned, like you said, Corey Littleton, uh, you know, Demarius Randall. So they've, they've rebuilt the linebacker core. Uh, they have two guys who, you know, would probably be starting on, on most of the teams in the NFL. Uh, they have two linebackers that can cover, uh, especially Littleton, which is a, a huge improvement over the last, you know, decade plus of, of Raiders linebackers, as, as I'm sure you guys know. Um, and yeah, they've, it, it's been, there hasn't been any major splashes other than the, the Corey Littleton. Little confining, uh, but I think that's that's the better move is just building out the depth, uh, you know, getting some some quality starters like Malik Collins and Demarius Randall on these one year sort of prove it deals where you know if, if they get a big payday from another team next year, but we make the playoffs, then it's a you know a, a fair trade off. Yeah, so you kind of mentioned no big splashes, and I, I agree with you there. There weren't too many big ones other than Corey Littleton, but. I do think the uh, secondary in particular is interesting, uh, especially when you look at, uh, you know, you have Trayvon Mullen, who was from last year. Abram, uh, you know, is a very highly touted, um, you know, draft pick, but, you know, he unfortunately uh, only played one game last year. Uh, Randall obviously was from free agency, and Amukamara was um, another guy at right cornerback that they uh, acquired this year so it's kind of um other than Trayvon Mullen you know it is kind of an all-new group uh they do have LaMarcus Joyner yeah. and Eric Harris kind of you know if you look at the depth chart they're a little bit kind of in the second you know I'm sure they'll get on the field but uh it is kind of a new group and especially because they drafted uh Damon Arnett so I wanted to get kind of your feelings on the secondary and how different or similar it's going to be to the group that we saw uh, last year well, I'm hoping it's it's very different. <laughs> so, uh, you, know, you know, last season it started off well. They had, like you said, they had Abram back there, uh, Carl Joseph, who's 
you know, not, not great, but he's a decent player. Um, you know, they had uh, uh, Daryl Worley, and I believe Nevin Lawson was the other starting corner. Uh, but, you know, as the season wore on, like, you know, guys just kept, kept getting hurt. You know, eventually they were playing DJ Squaringer and all these guys off the street. Uh, but, did, you know, Trayvon Mullen did, uh, did sort of uh, emerge in the second half of the season. So, um, but by the end, it, it, was, it was rough. You know, they were one of the worst pass defenses in the league. I think only Miami was worse than them. So, uh, like you said, Jonathan Abrams, highly touted. People are saying, you know, in among Raider Nation that it's like we had a, a third first-round pick this year. Um, I'm, I'm high on him, but obviously, you know, we've only seen him play one game, so we don't know, uh, you know, if he can actually cover over an extended period, if he's going to be any good, but uh, the vibes are good there. Demarius Randall is, is a veteran player. We know what he's about. Same with Prince of Mukamara, and there's a bunch of young guys waiting in the wings, uh, you know, Amik Robertson and, um, and Damon Arnett that you mentioned. So I'm hoping for a vast improvement, but there are a lot of question marks about, uh, you know, whether these guys can stay healthy. Um, and whether these, you know, these veteran guys can uh, can fit in. Uh, secondary should be much improved, and I think you know, even with just Amarnet, I think that would be a good pick. And like you mentioned, uh, Abram coming back, uh, he was a guy that I really liked on Hard Knocks. Um, kind of throwing this uh, a little tangent here, but Hard Knocks was yeah. an interesting experience for the Raiders. And obviously, the Chargers <laughs> are on Hard Knocks this year. Um, what do you make of the whole NFL teams being on hard knocks things? I know a lot of teams hate it, but obviously you're for the fan experience. Uh, yeah, I, I love hard knocks. What did you make of the, the Raiders being on hard knocks last year and the Chargers being on hard knocks this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I love it. I think most fans do. Um, I know that, uh, you know, there were some complaints last year that it was uh, really like superficial and they didn't really show too much of the behind the scenes stuff, but I think that's by design and the Raiders are, uh, especially these days, a little more secretive, I guess, of an organization, yeah. you know, with like media availability and things like that. Uh, you know, I think last year got a little uh, more interesting uh, after Hard Knocks wrapped with uh, the Antonio Brown situation. Right. You know, they just touched on it a little bit and it was, you know, seeing pictures of his, of his messed up feet and just watching him work out um, for a couple of weeks. So uh, it, it was a great experience. It was a lot of fun. They were showing, you know, the history of the Raiders and, you know, all these, like banquets that they have with former players. Uh, so purely as a Raiders fan, I loved it. I can, I can see why people were bored. Uh, but overall, I, I love Hard Knocks. It's always great to, to see the storyline, especially with the, the undrafted guys and the, the underdogs that are trying to make the team. So it's always great content. Uh, yeah, so now I think is the part where we uh, debate Derek Carr. And, <laughs> and yeah, so we went to Gruden and... Um, I guess with Derek Carr, he's kind of at an interesting point uh, with the Raiders now because they've paid him, or after this year, they'll have paid him most of his guaranteed money from his contract. Yeah. And I know he, I think he has two years technically left, uh, but, mm -hmm. you know, they can make the decision to move on from him after this year or I guess after 2021. Um, and you talked about, uh, you know, Gruden kind of rebuilding the roster and his image, and Carr is really in a way, uh, one of the last leftover pieces uh, from, you know, kind of that Del Rio uh, era, if you will. So I, I just wanted to get your feelings on what is Derek Carr kind of going into this year? And do you think there's any chance that, you know, Mariota trying to kind of uh, make a move for that job or something or, you know, and also 
yeah. what is the long-term view on Carr, or is he really sure. playing on kind of a series of one-year deals? Yeah, so as far as, as Mariota goes, I, I really think he's going to be, you know, more of like a gadget guy, bring him in for, for some goal line packages like the Titans did last year. Um, I know the Raiders are potentially paying him a lot of money with uh, some incentive-based packages, but I, I honestly don't think he's going to start unless there is an injury to Derek Carr. Um, by all statistical measures, except for, you know, rushing yards and yards per carry, Derek Carr is a, is a better quarterback than Marcus Mariota. You know, he has the better pedigree as the Heisman Trophy winner, you know, top five pick, all that. But uh, I think the, the resume is, is enough to show that, that from a pure quarterbacking standpoint, um, Carr is the better player. Carr also has the advantage of being in, in year three of Bruin's system. Um, so that, that is a huge deal, especially with, you know, no preseason and this really weird training camp where, you know, or weird off season where training camp was the first time these guys are, are getting together, uh, you know, in an organized workout. So I think the cards are stacked against Mariota. Um, and I, I don't expect to see too much of him, like I said, unless there is an injury. Um, as far as, as Derek Carr goes, I know that that Raider Nation is, is split pretty much down the middle on, uh, on, you know, whether he's any good or not. Um, so I think I, I'm definitely in the camp that he is a good quarterback, maybe not a great quarterback, but he has flashes of greatness. Um, you know, we've seen, you know, plenty of, of fourth quarter comebacks from him, you know, that 2016 season, which I know was a couple of years ago, uh, was, was fantastic. It was incredible. Uh, some of those comebacks and even last year with, with some of the, the limited weapons that he had, um, you know, he had the best season statistically of his career. So, uh, this year he comes in, he's got a bunch of new weapons. They've, uh, you know, solidified that offensive line. So the, the excuses or anything like that, th those are going to be out the window and he's really going to have to perform. But I think he has all the tools necessary to succeed. And even from a contract perspective, I think he was the highest paid quarterback for like 30 seconds <laughs> before, <laughs> uh, you know, the next guy got paid. Yeah. So uh, I think even now, maybe uh, he's like the, 15th or 16th highest paid quarterback in the league in terms of cash. So um, if that, if you think he's, he's average or good or just good, then, you know, that's, that's right where he belongs. Right. So there's even rookies making more money than him uh, in 2020. So uh, I think he's in a good spot and I think he's going to, going to flash in, in 2020. Sorry, dogs barking. <laughs> So uh, let's talk about those new weapons because I think the Raiders, you know, they have, uh, you know, they had a really good draft. And I think, you know, you had Henry Ruggs, you had Lynn Bowden, who apparently is going to be like a running back hybrid. And then there's been a lot of buzz about Brian Edwards. Obviously, there's Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs coming into year two with the Raiders. Uh, what do you make of the supporting cast? You know, from the outside looking in, there's a lot to be excited about. But as a Raider fan, what do you think of this, uh, all the new toys that Derek Carr has? Yeah, it's, it's probably the best he's had, again, since, since 2016. And, uh, you know, with Carr just being a, a good, not great quarterback, he does need, uh, you know, a really good supporting cast to, to really shine. And like you said, all these, these, new, these new draft picks, uh, Henry Ruggs has incredible, you know, game-changing speed. Uh, you know, he might need to work on some of the intricacies of, of the offense, but, um, you know, football can be simple sometimes. And it's a matter of, you know, is he faster than the guy lined up across from him? And, you know, probably 99% of the time he will be. Uh, so that, that's a great weapon to, to draw some attention away from the other guys. Um, 
Lynn Bowden is, is listed as a running back, but, you know, he played slot receiver at Kentucky and quarterback. So uh, they're going to line him up all over the field. Gruden's going to get to open, you know, a, a bag of tricks and, and see what he can come up with. Uh, and even some of the, the, the guys from last year, you know, Tyrell Williams and, and Hunter Renfro, uh, and of course, Darren Waller, who's uh, uh, played at a Pro Bowl level. Uh, I think it's, it's a really big deal that there's some continuity there. Um, and I think especially in this, this weird offseason, I think that's going to be uh, a huge bonus that, uh, you know, most of the starters are coming back from, from the 2019 season. Yeah, and what did you make of the Jason Witten signing? Because that one was a little uh, head-scratcher for me because you have Darren Waller, you have um, Foster Moreau, who's also, you know, coming into his own. Um, the Witten signing was a little confusing to me. Yeah, I mean, it was a bit of a head-scratcher, and then you just think about the type of dude that, that John Gruden is, and, you know, he's all about these grinders and guys with, with grit and, you yeah. know, who, who personifies that better than, you know, Jason Witten, who's – you know, played what, like 17 years in the league. And, uh, you know, he, I think he can still play a little bit. I don't, I think he's in a good spot because he gets to come in and be another veteran leader and there's not too much expected of him. I think he'll be listed officially as the, the second tight end, uh, especially with the Foster Murrow coming back from that ACL injury. But um, I honestly, I, I don't expect too much from him. I think it was more of a, a locker room signing and just, you know, Gruden wanting to, probably a guy that he's admired for, for his whole career, just wanting to have him in, in his locker room. Personally, I'm looking forward uh, to year two of Jason Witten trying to stave off retirement so he can stay out of the Monday night football booth. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, I don't know. I thought the Jason Witten signing was a weird one. Um, I didn't totally get that. Maybe that's just because I, I thought Jason Witten would just never leave Dallas and <laughs> Jerry would just True. give him these one-year deals forever. Um but yeah, I kind of agree with Steven. You know, I, this is kind of one of my things about Gruden is like, <laughs> I'm not totally into the whole Gruden grinder thing. Uh, I think Gruden <laughs> makes like um, smart moves, right? Um, you know, we talked about kind of the weapons that they have with Darren Waller and uh, Tyrell Williams. I, I like uh, Brian Edwards a lot. Um, and I think those are kind of smart moves. And then he was like, oh, let's just, you know, throw Jason Witten and, you know, take Colt Miller over Derwin James and, you know, <laughs> go with those kind yeah. of moves. So, you know, Gruden is kind of a love-hate for me. I, I like a lot of the things he does, but then there's just some of the things that, yeah, as Steven said, uh, leave me scratching my head. Yeah, you're not alone there. I mean, there's plenty of Raider fans that feel the same way. I feel the same way. Uh, you know, I didn't like the Khalil Mack trade. Uh, you know, it, it might pan out eventually if uh, if the Bears, you know, don't figure out their quarterback situation. But, um, yeah, there's been a, a mixed bag is, is a nice way to put it, I think. Yeah, for sure. Well, we'll kind of get you out of here on this last question. Obviously, everyone in the division is chasing the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been, you know, the, the class of the division last year's. Do you feel like the Raiders did enough in this offseason to close the gap between them and the Chiefs? Uh, I don't think the Raiders have a, a realistic chance of winning the division. Uh, I think that's a you know pretty lofty goal, uh, considering you know KC and the weapons they have and uh, the quarterback they have, of course, and the coach. Uh, can't forget to mention him. Um, so I think right now it's it's really wild card or bust, and you know with the expanded. Uh, playoff field I think the Raiders have done enough to to get into the playoffs I think last year they they had a team 
you know, ready to make the playoffs with Antonio Brown. Um, so I think adding these additional weapons, adding some depth and, and building out that, that defense uh, gives them an edge. Uh, I mean, the, all the other teams in the, in the AFC West have, have done some incredible moves this offseason too, uh, but they have you know, just as many, if not more, question marks than the Raiders do. So uh, I think the combination of a, a good roster from last year with the draft and free agency additions and, and most importantly, the continuity from last season um, at most of the I think is, is going to be enough to see them uh, you know, get into the playoffs as, as a wild card. We started at Super Bowl or bust and we finished the episode at wild card or bust. I love that we're managing <laughs> expectations. You know, I, I never said, I never said Super Bowl in 2020. I said in the next 10 years. So he was hired in what, uh, in 2018. So he's got, uh, till 2028 to, to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I love that. Love that. Well, uh, this has been great, Clint. We thank you so much for your time and uh, for all the insight into the Raiders and their organization. And, uh, you know, we, we are hoping that uh, there's a good battle for second place in the division because I think the Chargers are right there in that same kind of spot where they're, they did enough to maybe make the playoffs, but definitely not enough to catch his Kansas City Chiefs. So it should be interesting to see who yeah. ends up in second place this year. Definitely. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Uh, hopefully we'll do this again sometime. Yeah, of thanks, course. Man. You have a great day, man. All right, you too. Take care. All right, so that was our interview. Alex, what did you make of, you know, the the general state of Raider Nation right now? I mean, I think it's an optimistic one. I think with – I think the feeling of all the AFC West Ham bases is that the Chiefs are taking the division pretty much no matter what. Uh, barring, you know, some kind of drastic Mahomes injury. So, I mean, I think the reality is that, you know, everyone else is kind of playing for second, right? Uh, you know, as, um, you know, as Khalid said, kind of playing for that wild card. And, um, you know, we just did our interview with Travis, who also said the Broncos are playing for the wild card. Uh, right. So er- everyone in other than the Chiefs is kind of playing to be that um, fifth, sixth, seventh, wild card team so I mean I think that's really the outlook for the Raiders as well um I don't know if I'm as optimistic on some of their offensive decisions but I definitely think that they have uh they they sort of have a gauntlet schedule to start and then it gets a little bit easier towards the end but it's it's a tough schedule for the Raiders um yeah so I don't know. It's um, it's going to be a difficult year for them, but I think that they have enough talent on offense, and you know they did boost the defense with someone like Corey Littleton uh, to the point where you know they can contend and maybe be in that uh, six and ten to nine and seven range uh, and push. Yeah, yeah, I like some of their decisions. I think they specifically filled some of their needs through Corey Littleton and Henry Ruggs. Uh, honestly, if I were the Raiders, I would have taken Jerry Judy over Henry Ruggs because I think they need a true number one wide receiver. You know, they could have even taken CeeDee Lamb. Um, I don't think mm-hmm. they have that, and I don't think that Henry Ruggs is a number one receiver. I think he's more of a number two, very similar in the mold of Tyrell Williams. So it's going to be interesting to see how that offense gels You know, under uh, John Gruden year three and Derek Carr. You mentioned, though, this gauntlet of a schedule. These opening five weeks, I'm going to list them for our listeners. Uh, at Carolina, 
home against New Orleans on Monday night. So, I mean, if there were fans, I think that would be a huge game. Then they play at New England, home against Buffalo, and then at Kansas City. Then they have a bye, and then they play the Buccaneers in week seven. So those first seven weeks, six games, are as tough of an opening schedule as anybody in the league. And, you know, if they, I think if they go three and three in those games, that's like great. That's fantastic. I don't think that they can even do that, honestly. Right. Yeah. That it's an opening gauntlet of a schedule. It's just trying to survive to three and three. And then, you know, you get uh, the Falcons, Jets, Colts. So maybe you pick up some wins there. Um, they do play the Dolphins towards the end of the season, but the Dolphins uh, always tend to play spoiler towards the end of the year, uh, yeah. <laughs> as we saw this year. So it, to, to me, I think they, just because of their schedule and kind of just because uh, of the way this season is, I honestly peg them as more six, closer to a six or seven win team than a nine or 10 win team. Uh, so I kind of have them in that fourth in the West and then, having the Chargers and the Broncos fight out for second in the West. But, I mean, with the way that, you know, things go, it, things can always change, um, you know. But I think the Raiders, they're on the right track. Um, but I think they're maybe kind of in a spot where they're a year away from being a year away. <laughs> um, right. So, yeah, I, I think Gruden is still kind of molding that franchise a little bit uh, in his image and getting the guys he wants. So, yeah. Yeah, it'll be, you know, it's going to be so interesting to see how this pans out. But to me, you know, objectively looking at the three rosters of the Raiders, Broncos, and Chargers, you know, there's no clear-cut best quarterback. So I think they're kind of, the three of them are going to be kind of in the very similar mold. I think Drew Locke probably has the highest ceiling of the three. But I think the Chargers roster is objectively better than the other two. So – for me, with the Raiders, it, it's – I don't know who their star players are. Like, outside of Trent Brown and – I don't even know. And and Darren Waller. I like Darren Waller, but I know other people don't. So, that's the thing for me about the Raiders is I don't know who really is going to be, like, their best player and say, you know what, come with me. I'm going to lead you guys and, and kind of thing. And, and then the second thing is the schedule, you know. They got blown out by the Jets last year. Who's to say that it couldn't happen again? So <laughs> for me, it's just the lack of a true star and leader and then also the schedule. So I, I'm with you. I think probably 6-10 and 10 is, is probably where I, I land with the Raiders in 2020. Yeah, I think uh, low-key, the, the star of the team for them isn't a player. It's, it's John Gruden. Um, he, <laughs> he's the guy who's kind of the, the focal point in a way of the team. Um, cause, cause I don't think Carr has really gotten to that point where, you know, he's, he's that franchise quarterback, right? They're kind of going year to year with him at this point. And after this year, they'll have paid him, uh, as I mentioned in our conversation with, uh, Colleen about, you know, they paid him most of his guaranteed money. So, you know, they're going to decide and Gruden's going to decide what he wants to do at quarterback. So everyone's kind of, you know. Uh, everyone's kind of playing with sort of maybe a nothing to lose mentality, but in a sense for people like Carr or for players that are, you know, kind of playing for their spots, it might be everything to lose. Um, So, you know, it's, um, it's definitely kind of a 
underdog maybe mentality uh, molded by this roster of, uh, you know, as, as he said in our interview, uh, Gruden grinders. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, but I, I think they're definitely a team that has some upside and maybe are, maybe are going in the right direction. But, yeah, I, I think they've had some interesting draft selections with Henry Ruggs over C.D. Lamb, who was my personal favorite receiver in the draft, and, you know, then Colton Miller over Derwin James. So it, it's an interesting team, uh, and obviously they're in Las Vegas this year, um, which is still very, very weird to say. Um, nice. but, very weird. But, yeah, um, I, I still think they're an interesting team, and they'll generate a lot of buzz probably. I just don't – yeah, I don't think they're a this-year team. I think they might be a one or two years away. Yeah, I think them and the Broncos are in a very similar situation in that regard. It's just the difference in quarterback. Um, speaking of training camp news, it did come out that John Gruden is uh, potentially very excited about the gadget packages that he could do with Marcus Mariota. So I don't know how much stock to put into that. You know, he said very, something very similar about Nathan Peterman last year on Hard Knocks, mm, no yeah. less. Um, so that whole thing is going to be really interesting. And we did talk about it with Khalid, and I think. You know, he obviously would know more about the dynamic and situation than we would. But to me, I think, you know, the best case scenario for either of those teams leading, led by that quarter, those quarterbacks would be like nine and seven. So I don't think there's much difference in terms of like who would be the better fit for their team or like who would, you know, be able to lead them to a better record. I think both of them have a limited ceiling and neither would be like a clear difference maker. Right, yeah. I don't think either is necessarily a clear difference maker. I, I give the edge to Carr over Mariota just because Carr did have a good year last year um, for as much as people like to bash on him, and I'm one of those people. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as much as people like to bash on him, he did um, have a good year uh, through 4,000 yards, had about 100 uh, passer rating, uh, right. which is pretty solid. So, you know, I think he's definitely uh, – he has his moments, uh, a little bit inconsistent, but – I think he definitely showed he was on the right track last year. It's just a matter of can he keep that up, um, especially in a situation where, you know, he's he's not going to get much time with Henry Ruggs and Brian Edwards and all these kind of new flashy offensive weapons before the season starts. So that'll be um, that'll be an interesting thing for the Raiders and a lot of other NFL teams. Yeah, that, that's the thing for me is, you know, it takes time to build that kind of chemistry, especially for a guy like Derek Carr, who's more of a rhythm thrower. And I like Carr more than most Chargers fans. I'm not going to say he's like a top 12 quarterback, but I think he's maybe like a top 15 or 16, um, which you can win in that league. You can win in this league if you have a top 15, 16, 17 quarterback. It's just mm -hmm. you need to surround him with the right pieces. And I don't know if they have done that. And that's my biggest question mark is, you know, who is his number one target? I, obviously, Darren Waller, I like him a lot. Hunter Renfro is in and out of the lineup. He's hardly a number one receiver. Tyrell Williams, we all know, is not a number one wide receiver. Um, so that, that's going to be interesting. Uh, any other thoughts about the Raiders before we wrap up today's episode? Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious how the receiving core plays out because they have Ruggs, Williams, Edwards. So it's not really a group where, you know, the Chargers – I, th I think the Chargers, Broncos, and Chiefs with Keenan, Allen, uh, Cortland Sutton, and Tyreek Hill kind of all have their number one receivers, whereas the Raiders are 
kind of waiting for a guy to emerge uh, a little bit. And that uh, could be Tyrell Williams. Uh, it could also be um, Brian Edwards. It could be, um, it, it could be a lot of uh, interesting pieces. And then, you know, they have someone like, um, God, what's the Clemson gritty white guy's kid's name? Oh, <laughs> Hunter Renfro. Renfro. Yeah, they have him. Uh, so they have a lot of interesting pieces and I'm curious to see which ones kind of win out some of these position battles and become, uh, you know, wide receiver one or cornerback, uh, the best cornerback on the team, uh, or, you know, even sort of who's the leader of the defensive line. So I'm, I'm curious to see who kind of emerges, uh, as some of the, um, I guess, you know, number one pieces in some of these units for them. Yeah, they've had a lot of moving pieces in almost every single positional group except for quarterback. Um, you know, obviously with Derek Carr there and the offensive line has been uh, mostly the same. So the Raiders, you know, they could be in for a good year. They could be in for a bit of a struggle. Just kind of depends how everything melds together under John Gruden. So that'll do it for our Raiders preview. Um, make sure and follow us on social media. Make sure and, and check out our Patreon breakdowns. We've had Joe Reed and Sam Tevy over the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're going to keep those going. And, uh, you know, I think it's a fun couple of weeks coming up for Chargers fans with hard knocks. And, you know, hopefully we can get a little more insight on this coming episode. This will be released on Tuesday morning. Uh, so listen to this episode and then check out hard knocks on Tuesday. Uh, Alex, Thanks for your time today. Thanks for writing for Bolt Beat. Happy third anniversary. <laughs> uh, it's been yeah. a fun ride. And uh, thank you all to all of you guys who are listening and supporting the show. We do really appreciate it. That'll do it for this time. We'll see you next time. See you. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.